News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Christina Greer here with Harry Siegel and Katie Honan's calling in. We'll get away from the orange black hole soon and into other news about what's happening. But first, Katie, our co-host, is calling in for what will be an instant vintage time capsule by the time this episode is out on Tuesday evening. Katie, thank you for joining us. What's going on? Hi, hi, Chrissy and listeners. I'm I'm at Collecticon Park, which is right on, I guess it's between Lafayette and Center, right across from Manhattan Criminal Court. Tuesday morning, there are what appear to be dueling protests. There's the pro-Trump protests. The anti-Trump protests, women holding a red Trump sign. They are now, um, I believe the police are trying to separate them. Um, you know, it's not, it seems like there's probably more reporters uh, and media than there are actually people here, either for or against uh, former President Trump's coming indictment. But, you know, I think after years of probably needs for some degree, they don't seem so bad. So, so, Katie, what's like the schedule for today is this is supposed to be happening around two. Mm-hmm. And then I believe Al Bragg has a presser in the afternoon and yep. Trump's going to speak from Mar-a-Lago this evening. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is here. There's some local policy counter protesting. Can you just sort of sketch out as, as you're there and we can hear some of the noise in the background? Although, as you said, it sounds like as of now, at least the reporters are outnumbering the participants about how this uh, potentially flows. This is about, we're about an hour ahead of the scheduled uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene protest. I see COVID is a lie. Hong Kong masking our kids' signs up here on, uh, in this, I guess this is some plot of dirt here in Collect Pond Park. Uh, but I also see some Trump uh, flags. You know, I, I think it is, it was described as a circus yesterday, and that certainly is what it, what it feels like right now. And, you could write uh, theses on why the media is handling it like this and whether this helps or hurts um, this larger uh, narrative of a former president being indicted. But that's what we, we even have the guy, what's his name? He's on The Daily Show. He always interviews Trump people and makes them look stupid. He's here too. So it seems like everybody's here. Um, but right now with Tom, it's peaceful. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I didn't know his name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, so How many vendors are there? Because you wrote right about now. this yesterday, like the vendors working out whether they were going to show up or not. I did not see my coffee cart guy. He is, as he told me, in Jackson Heights. I didn't see some of the hot dog people. But to be fair, they said they usually don't show up till around 10. There's a nearby garage on Madison Street. They were going to come and see what it is. But I will say, the woman I spoke to who's on, um, who is right in front of the city clerk's office, it's fine over there. You know, it really is a contained area here in this park so you don't have you know I, I came down to lower manhattan around 7 30 and i don't know what i was expecting i don't know if i was expecting tons of cars and just hordes of people um but, but they weren't there so it's really all contained here to this park um but yeah it is early you know i think everyone fears the worst in these situations and we all saw what happened you know it's it, at different protests, we saw what happened on January 6th at the Capitol, and I think that's the worst-case scenario that people are afraid of. So that's what everyone's bracing for. I saw John Miller, you know, former TV guy, former NYPD guy, former FBI guy, saying, like, the difference between here and D.C. is in New York, 
you can press a button and have another thousand cops and it's not a big yeah. deal. And then you can press the button again and have another, another thousand cops. And it's not that big a deal. And obviously you were at the presser yesterday with the mayor and uh, deputy mayor for public safety, Phil Banks, and the, the commissioner were all there, the police commissioner, uh, Kijan Su, and, and they, they, they were all, you know, pretty much saying there's no specific thing. We're prepared for lots of things. You know, it, it seemed like a little bit of a, a we got this message. And again, we'll see by the time this is out if, if they got it. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, like the press conference yesterday was almost really um, like a subdued response, but I guess that's their job, right? They're not trying to freak anyone out. They're not trying to alarm anyone. They won't even say what specific blocks would be shut down because I guess, to be fair, I haven't seen any blocks shut down. Obviously, um, Center Street, in front of the courthouses, there's nothing going on. I mean, you can't, like, you know, uh, I don't see any cars driving by, but that's really it. Um, so, yeah, it is... It's New York exceptionalism, I guess, to just say, oh, this is a of time, but we'll just absorb it. But to some degree, it feels like that so far. Again, I don't want this to come back and haunt me, but right now at uh, 9.25 Tuesday morning, it seems pretty calm. I don't even hear chants or noisemakers, again, because this hasn't started yet. The Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has not arrived yet, um, except from what I can see. She did tweet yesterday that New York City looks like Gotham, which I believe is the whole point, because that's what Gotham is. But... Uh, did include a photo. So if she wanted to convince her followers and work in the healthcare, she could have used, she could have at least used a photo or a video. Right. Well, her her latest thing is that you know all Democrats are pedophiles. So I wonder how that'll shake out when she comes to a city that's six to one Democratic res- registration. So Katie, did the mayor put out another directive that all police officers have to be in full uniform, or did he not decide to do that for today? I believe it was reported. Yeah, I, I seen reported when this first happened that um, when this just first announced that that was the case. Um, so that is, I mean, there's a lot of police officers here. Um, so that seems to be, uh, you know, they're in different kinds of uniforms. You're CAU and there's suits and ties. And um, mostly here at the protest, it's your CAU, uh, CAU is the mayor's office, community affairs, the MIT, they're little, they're little windbreakers. And is, has there been an Alvin Bragg sighting at all or no? I haven't. I mean, but to be fair, I haven't, you know, I think a lot of people, oh, here's a sign, Trumper death flag uh 1776 2024 i haven't seen that flag before so that's a new flag um i see a flag where trump is in a like a cartoon tank which is a militarization i guess for a guy who dodged the draft interesting um so yeah this is my isn't it so fun to be a reporter on the scene i have all this great color Right. Well, we appreciate you. And we'll let you go really quickly there. You know, I just, I do always have this question, you know, because there's so much other really wild, important stuff that's going on, train derailments, Tennessee, students walking out, you know, someone who tried to go to North Carolina A&T and blow up the entire HBCU. You know, do you think sometimes with this fanfare, is this a case where it's too much? Or do you think that this case is so precedented, everyone from around the globe needs to be there sort of waiting and watching? I think it's both, which sounds stupid, but I'll explain. Look, this is completely, this is unprecedented and it's important to cover. But then, you know, I see the hordes of media here that happen here. And I think, what journalism crisis, you know? Even though I know it's real, I know there's, there's, there's entire communities and, and cities and, and regions of the country that don't have media. But then you come to a place like this, a scene like this, and there's tons of people. And I do often wish, and I feel complicit because I'm here, um, but yeah, I wish that people directed some of their energy and resources towards 
other things. Uh, even here in the city, I'm thinking, God, what is happening right now that I could be covering instead? And, you know, where I work in the city, we do a lot of stories that other people don't do. And it is kind of rare for us to cover something like this. But, you know, it seems early enough where I could, I could go pop over to my desk at City Hall and go work on something else, which I plan on doing later. But, yeah, it, it's just a mix of things. And um, I, I ultimately don't know if it's an ideal situation to have just so many people covering the same thing. I mean, even all the tweets about the waiting online overnight, you know, I don't know. It just seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Katie. We'll let you, uh, no, we'll let you. you get to it and hopefully get to other stories in this gigantic city. You, you do so much hustling around like all the time to cover in addition <laughs> to the set pieces. And I hope this is as wild as it gets. A guy wearing a Trump wig. I hope that's as wild as it gets. Well, be safe, Katie, and, and uh, let's if you need anything. It. Thank you. Okay. All right. Ciao, ciao. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Katie Honan reporting from outside the courthouse while everyone seems to be waiting for the former president to make his appearance. And speaking of Manhattan courthouses, Harry, Leonardo DiCaprio testified on Monday at the trial of former Fuji, Praz Michel, um, you all may know him as Praz, right, who's charged with funneling money from the Malaysian financier who financed the Scorsese flick, Wolf of Wall Street, while scheming to illegally send tens of millions of dollars to Obama's 2012 re-election campaign to try and buy influence among the several other things. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio even gave him a shout out in his uh, acceptance speech uh, when he won a Golden Globe for Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and so on the FHQ group text, I was wondering, um, you know, where this whole thing goes. We were asking about casting. Ozzy actually says that Jonah Hill should play Leonardo DiCaprio. I said the guy from Snowfall should play Praz in the inevitable movie about all of this because we know the drama is severe and Praz is looking at 22 years uh, with all these various federal charges. Let's see you, Harry. Speaking of 22 years, we'll see. But uh, the state budget is officially lit as uh, Governor Kathy Hochul and her fellow Democrats in the legislature are at an impasse over bail reform, first and foremost, and also housing policy, apparently. Assembly Leader Carl Hasty said those two issues have been so all-consuming, they haven't really dug into the other parts of what'll be a $227 billion or so plan. Yikes. Uh, that's also where lots of the controversial lawmaking gets done in a process aptly nicknamed the Big Ugly. So. It's a pretty wild standoff there, and there's a parallel one in New York City where the city council, we're not late on the budget here yet, is pushing to add at least $2.7 billion to Mayor Eric Adams' nearly $103 billion budget proposal using the city's own revenue projections to argue that there is money sufficient to go to things like expanding half-priced fair fares for New Yorkers making up to twice the federal poverty line, and also staving off the uh, cuts to the public libraries included in City Hall's plan. Finally, Passover begins Wednesday evening. Uh, hope everyone going to a Seder has a nice and meaningful one. This year, the major Jewish holiday coincides with Ramadan, the Muslim holy month. In Astoria, three mosques are now playing the call to prayer outside with permits for the first time ever. And a fourth mosque is awaiting its license to do so, as Heidi Chu reported this week at the city. It's a loud development that happened quietly without 
any rancor or controversy and clearly has meant a lot to many of the uh, immigrants and children of immigrants in the, in the neighborhood to hear that. Uh, so here is Sheikh Atef Mohammed of Masid al-Ber, which opened in 1980 as the first ever mosque in the neighborhood and where mostly Egyptians, some Bangladeshis, Moroccans, and Palestinians, and the occasional Bosnian and Albanian go to pray. So where is the sound coming from? From the speaker here. Oh. You, can, you can hear it for a distance. Yes. Everywhere, yeah. everywhere, in the subway, and everybody hears it. But here you can hear it from down the block. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 one other thing that we're gonna have the speaker, we're gonna put it here. Oh, so you're gonna put a speaker here too? Yeah, the speaker with the with the permits. Oh, with the permits. Yeah. So yeah. when when are you gonna install that? Uh, we have to get an electrician and just we few days. Few days? Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. You know, Harry, I know this sounds really cheesy, but I actually love when Ramadan and Passover overlap. I don't know why, you know, I'm not a super religious person. I'm not Jewish, nor am I Muslim. Um, You know, I do uh, abstain from alcohol for Lent with (laughs) someone who is Jewish and someone who's Catholic. (laughs) And I'm not even Catholic. Um, I just went to Catholic school. But there's something about like these two very high holy holidays for so many millions of people around the world and definitely so many people in New York. When they overlap, it's just, I don't know, it it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it always makes me feel more connected. Like, you know, whatever it is that we're celebrating is actually so much more on the baseline together. Um, And Easter too this year. Yeah, and like, exactly, and Easter too. So it's like, and not to simplify people's religions by any stretch of the imagination, but I just, there's something about it that always makes my heart smile. Like when I, you know, give the announcement to my students about high holidays and I'm like, listen, I don't know all of them, you know, but they're obviously excuse absences. But like when I have students come up to say like, okay, I'm going home for Passover. I'm going to be with my family for Ramadan. And I'm just like, oh, right. Yeah. We're all together. Like we're all together. So that makes me, that's my, that's my little piece. But I do think that, you know, this idea that we do have these three mosques now who are going to be able to, um, you know, say prayers out loud for the community is a huge development. And in a place like New York City, I'm scratching my head that it's such a new development. One would think that we would be uh, a city that's that's done this for decades since we have such a large and robust and diverse Muslim population. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a start. I'm really excited. And I, I, I wish everyone a safe, uh, prayerful season, however you celebrate. One of the things that's interesting is, like with church bells and other things, this is always very place-based and neighborhood by neighborhood. So, so there have been calls to prayer that have been amplified outside with permits in other places, but that's been controversial, and it's led to like some some nasty sentiments. And here, um, Astoria is not mostly uh, Muslim. Um, there's still a very large Greek population there, mm-hmm. Italians, others, but the blocks around these mosques. Are, are are full of Egyptians, Bangladeshis, and and others who are who are Muslim and going to these places to worship. And it seemed from Heidi's reporting that you know it just meant a lot to people to hear this 
outside and amplified mm-hmm. in this way. The hack up until this point, which is also a funny subtlety, is that previously you could play it inside the mosque really, really loud. And so right. you could hear it when you walk Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've definitely heard prayers outside, but it's coming from inside out mm-hmm. through the door. And th- this is broadcasting in the street. And obviously in, in Muslim-majority countries and, and ones often w- w- where that is uh, – a, a, state religion this is very common and so people have come from those countries hearing that here uh you know i i i think in many cases that's a that's a very warm feeling i'm sure it's complicated and otherwise and all those things at some point become political but having mm-hmm. something that's nice for people who want to worship and convene and be in communities and it's just appreciated there and not having anyone screaming about it is just a right a lovely thing to bring us down um i'm so old I remember three years ago when President Donald Trump, that was a whole thing, a whole thing, um, said about, you know, I think in March, like, don't worry, we'll have the whole country open back up by Easter. And of course, that did not happen. It does worry me a little that this guy who has built up all of this weird sort of religious feeling around him, Katie was just talking about the people waving you know, bizarro mm-hmm. meme Trump flags and all that. But this indictment, and I wrote about my concerns ahead of its unsealing with this with this case. Uh, don't really care what happens to Trump in any event at all. But um that this is happening right before Easter, and and I think is he raised four million dollars like the day after this was first announced, a lot of it from people who hadn't given it to him before. Mm-hmm. I am worried this this in some sense, is going to be a uh, favorable dynamic for him. I'm very hopeful that by the time you're this Tuesday evening, we'll have a more comfortable sense that whatever this is, is just a trial. We yeah. had 9-11 in trials here. We had R. Kelly here, uh, Epstein, right. all sorts of things. That, 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 that Whatever it is, the rest of us yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. can ignore it. Just because it's unprecedented and it could lead to a whole bunch of horrible things for our Democratic Republic doesn't mean that this man should be treated any differently. And I'm old enough to remember Harry, first order of business after this man was sworn in as the 45th president. He tried to pull a Muslim ban. Don't forget about that. Right. To bring it all full circle. Right. To say that people from these particular countries arbitrarily couldn't come in just Mm -hmm. because, you know, he doesn't like Muslims the same way he didn't like immigrants or Mexicans or or the blacks. As he says, anybody who says the blacks, you're racist. Right. So it's like that's just who he is. Um, So I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we shouldn't do this because, like, you know, people might riot. Well, you know what? We should do it. If you did something wrong, like we see every other citizen has to sort of face the judge and jury if they've done something wrong. So like, here we are. It's less than ideal. But like, Harry, we're dealing with a grifter's grifter. So when you say he raised $4 million, this is what grifters do. They move from town to town, city to city, and you always got to get a new sucker. So like, yes, some people are like, uh, you know, they're diehards. They don't care if he has, you know, 16 porn stars, these, you know, white evangelical quasi-white supremacists are going to stay by him no matter what, right? We know that some people are just so blinded by the fact that this man is so quote-unquote successful. It's like, if he's so successful, why is he taking your little bit of money? Why is he taking your fixed income and your pension? Like, think, right? But this is all part of like the larger scheme of Republicans trying to keep a vast majority of their population dumber than a bag of rocks so that they can keep giving them money. I mean, the grift is strong with this one. Why are you giving this man money if he's allegedly a billionaire? 
right? Why are you giving this man, this man money when you just saw he didn't pay any taxes? You're He called you a sucker for paying taxes. So like when, and I've said this before, Harry, and I'll say it again, because I feel like some of our listeners still don't understand it. Black people <laughs> in this country fully understand the capacity of white people, all different types of white people, right? Lots of good, kind white people. And then it's across the spectrum. People like Donald Trump, Black people have had to understand our whole lives to just forget thriving, just to survive. The, there are still large swaths of the media and a large, large portion of his supporters who don't think that this man will burn this country down who don't think that he will do whatever it takes to just sort of save himself to hell with everybody else. And like, we've seen it. These stories have been passed down for generations. Like we, we know that there's a capacity for people to burn down our schools, right? This is why we should be paying attention to North Carolina A&T and this man showing up armed to the teeth, right? We know that after reconstruction, 638 schools were burned down to the ground in two years, right? Black schools, Right. So it's like we understand what white supremacy can do to people, not just black people, to all different types of people, to white people, too. White supremacists will kill their own people. Right. So the fact that that Donald Trump is like kicking the hornet's nest and playing footsie with this idea of white supremacy revolution, whether it's in a city like New York, New York, or don't forget, he brought all those white supremacists to Chocolate City in Washington, D.C. We have to take it seriously, but I still don't think that enough white people understand like the physical danger that this man wants to happen on his behalf. And so that's part of what the grift and the fundraising is about, because once you've put in a penny, you're in for a pound. We know that we teach that in just intro to American politics, right? You you get $5 to any candidate you like, you're more likely to vote for them because you're invested. So the grift is also part of saying you are invested in my my revolution of, you know, this racist witch hunt because it just so happens that the DAs and AGs who are calling this man to task happen to be, you know, highly educated Black people who were like, the grift stops here. And like, we're going to have to see it play out because it has to play out for everybody else. So here we are. So, so a couple of things there. First off, I want to give a shout out to a book by historian Mia Bay, who was a Rutgers at the time. I think she's at UPenn now called uh, The White Image in the Black Mind, African-American Ideas about White People, 1830 to 1925. It's a terrific book. Uh, I, I reread maybe a year ago, uh, but she notes What's so striking about it is you think about how much there is about how white people in that era and going forward perceive black people and so little that is directly about the opposite. And that's been sort of a continuous issue in American culture and and history. And it does go to these these forms of dominance and who gets to tell who who else's story. Uh, Robert Penn Warren, who wrote All the King's Men poet, novelist, brilliant guy. He did a book called Who Speaks for the Negro? And the book is almost entirely composed of Black people talking about their understanding of the political situation in the mid-60s. But the author on the byline is Robert Penn Warren. And, you know, some of these dynamics just never go away. I do want to bring this back home and local, of course, because it's FAQ, NYC. We have this Trump thing. Son of Queens, very different Queens from the Astoria that Heidi Chu was describing. Um, mm. But he's here. Marjorie Taylor Greene is here. My goodness. Ooh. 
Um, <laughs> she 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 is her own mess, and uh, she is now much more powerful for, for, in Congress than she had been previously for reasons we don't need to get into. But Jumani Williams, Brad Lander, and other people from the progressive left in New York are showing up to counter protest. And Chrissy, I just like your view. Just speaking of. Uh, Trump's talking up attention, hustlers, and these other things. If that's a good and meritorious thing for our public figures to do, or if they're sort of coasting on her media cycle, yeah. or, or, or what's right and appropriate there, because I struggle with that. Yeah, me too, Harry. And, you know, like, listen, you're the proper journalist. I just I just hang out with you. But, you know, we also always have to remember, this is business, right? And so a lot of these, uh, you're the these, scientist. These, these newspapers and cable network shows, like, they they want eyes. They want people to subscribe. You know, the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene can go on 60 Minutes and say outlandish nonsense about pedophilia and Democrats and, you know, Joe Biden. And you've got Leslie Stahl just sitting there like she's, you know, out to lunch. Like, hmm, you don't say, you know, so it's like we've got we've got to do better. Right. I mean, there is a difference between free speech and hate speech. There's a difference between someone who's just an outlandish character in a white fur coat at the State of the Union and someone who's just really spouting hateful lies about, you know, large swaths of people. So I'm I'm curious as to how New Yorkers, you know, what is it? We're 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 nice, but we're not kind, right? <laughs> so it's like if people, you know, just ignore her like girl, you ain't even worth the time. Or if we do know that there's some New Yorkers who are like, don't come here with that nonsense. You might play these games in D.C. You might play these games in Georgia, but like we don't want to we don't want to hear it. Or and this is, you know, the, the piece that does worry me. About certain folks in New York that, you know, there might be this quiet little faction that actually does agree with some of her nonsense and shenanigans. Um, and so that's the piece that, you know. We always have to remember that, like, uh, there are a lot of folks in New York who, and I say this all the time, right? There are a lot of folks in New York which is like, I'm just going to keep my opinions to myself, right? <laughs> because they're not the popular opinions, but they still have them. And so, um, as Donald Trump used to talk about this, you know, silent majority, I'm not saying that that's here in New York, but I do think that, you know, we would be naive to think that we're this royal blue uh, when I, I just... I don't think that's the case because also there's this perception of scarce resources. And whenever we're having those conversations of perceptions of scarce resources, that's when people start to sort of circle their wagons and they become less welcoming to immigrants. They become less, you know, quote unquote, tolerant of different types of people and poor people in their neighborhoods. Um, she kicks that, that nest and traffics in that. So um, that's, that's somewhat worrisome, but it is nice to know that like our city leadership is like, get out of here with that nonsense, right? Like, we're actually not going to let you be in our city without letting you know we're not here for the nonsense. And I and I get that Eric Adams isn't, like, you know, protesting with Lander and Williams, largely because it's like, listen, we don't want to stir up more animosity. You know, like, he's like, this is the time for me to be the leader of the city. Um, and sort of like, if everybody's here, everybody's here, but you're going to play well in the sandbox. But, like, let's not get it twisted. I think Eric Adams has shown us several times that he's very clear that he is the leader of the city. So ain't going to be no mess, as they say. Um, yeah, this is going to be a rough week. And that's that's our note to to end this on and to see by by this evening 
how much mess we uh we we right. do or don't have in this instant vintage time capsule. Okay. Very strange day. I wish we could clear the samples for um for James Brown. Papa don't take no mess. <laughs> FAQ. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're an affiliate of NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of independent journalists, critics, and artists. Find it all at popula.com. Our hosts for this episode were myself, Christina Greer, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Thanks to Katie Honan for calling in from downtown. Adam Kamara is our engineer. Thank you all for listening, joining us, and making it this far. Be kind, be well, be cool, and we'll be back for more very soon. So, kicker, James Brown called up Eddie Antar repeatedly, the actual Crazy Eddie, not Jerry Carroll playing okay. on the TV ads, and was dying to be the spokesperson for them. I think he had tax issues at the time. Um, and the kids who were answering the phone there sort of thought it was a joke and just never got back to him. But uh, I can only imagine the uh, the James Brown. He did a couple of Japanese ads I've seen that are, are a riot. And you know, I mean, that man is was incredible, but uh, yeah. he came this close, this close to being uh, to being crazy Eddie, and that's that's a whole other alternate. That's world. a whole other episode. Well, like Trump I, being know, president. Like, what I'm fascinated by, um, I'll see if I can find. It. I'll send it to you. Um, all of the ads that famous celebrities do in other countries, mm-hmm. like all the things that they shill that they would never shill in the U.S. But you know, hey, listen, checks cash, right? Um, and so it's like you know, Brad Pitt, like a soft drink, you know, like <laughs> something you could never imagine him like hawking Sprite in, you know, America, but he's like hawking some you know, beverage or whatever it may be in another country. It's great. What did Bob Dole show for after he ran for president? Oh, I don't know. I believe Viagra. He did Viagra. Oh, he sure 1998. did. Okay. Did you say Viagra? Is that wrong? I thought it was Viagra. Um, I'm glad you called that out. That was bizarre. I'm like, it's Viagra. Harry, you know, well, I guess I'm not going to gender it. Yeah, to Every- your credit, Harry, <laughs> guess- you don't even know how to say right. it. Right, Harry doesn't even know what it is. Baller! <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs>